sometimes, and like she was saying, like the, the priests had to put their feet in the water before the miracle started. God said to, to cross, but it wasn't until they put their feet in the water and their feet got wet that the miracle started. And Pastor Adele was just saying, get up, get up. You're going to have some setbacks. Don't be surprised when God's doing a development work in you. And, um, and I just think that both of those are key words and key uh, just, just stuff that I've been able to take away. And, um, and actually all for the last sort of couple of weeks, I've just been saying to myself, get your feet wet, get your feet wet. Um, but this morning, so I've tiny little gripe, tiny little issue with things. Pastor Mel preached one chapter, the book of Joshua, which is like the whole main bit of the book where the Joshua led the people across the Jordan into the promised land, the great miracle of the, the river banking up. And Pastor Adele preached the fun stuff, all the battles. Now, I grew up as a Christian kid. I grew up in church. I grew up reading the Bible. And then now when I watch action movies, people are like, oh, isn't that a bit violent? Are you a pastor? And I'm like, you haven't read the Bible if you're worried about that being violent. I love the action stuff in the Bible. That's like my favorite stuff. Like if I'm having a hard time with the Bible, like, you know, even pastors have a hard time reading the Bible, I'll go back to the, to the, to the stories about the battles and the, some of the, like, the details as well. Like for a little kid that's a Christian kid is like, you know, we didn't even have a TV. I had to just go turn to, my, turn to my Bible, turn to the book of Joshua if I want to get some gory details and some action. That Anyway, so I'm left with the second half of the book. And I tell you, if you have a problem sleeping... If you've got second half of the book of Joshua, really good bedtime reading. Really, really good bedtime reading. I'm not even kidding. It's like, and then the whole, and I'm reading this as I'm trying to prepare. I'm like, Lord, help me. And, and, and I'm like, God, surely there's something you want to say to me in this. Surely there's something you're trying to teach your church in this. And it's like, and then the tribe of Dan can have from the hillside from this end to the bottom of the creek at that end and <laughs> and there's just chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters of it and I'm reading trying to be a diligent pastor because we're teaching a book of the Bible we read through the book and I'm like and then <laughs> and then this this tribe gets from Gershom well that's an interesting word <laughs> and I'm like oh my goodness God what are you trying to tell us and I'm reading and I'm and then I and I'm just what I'm saying is that then I start to see it then I start to see it is that God's got stuff for them and what he's got for them is different than what he's got for them. And then what he's got for them is different from what he's got from them. But it's clear and it's assigned and it's theirs. And I'm like, oh, God's got stuff for me and it's different from what he's got for you. And, I, and I'm seeing it and I'm like, wow, it's still ultra boring. But the principle starts to excite me. And I'm trying to read and all I'm seeing is God's got more stuff for them and it's described and it's outlined and it's concise. And it's a plan that God has for them. And I'm like, okay. And, and I start to take it on board. I'm like, all right. And, and, and then I feel what God's wanting to say to us this morning. Is he's got things for you. He's got promises for your life. He, he's got stuff planned, concise, clear-cut things for you. We don't have to worry about looking at somebody else's life and think, we're going to miss it out because they've got that. Or that was my opportunity and they took it because that's not your opportunity your opportunity is clear and concise, and God has it clearly marked out for you. And then, and then this is where we get to the paradox of Joshua. We get to this amazing paradox in the, in the book of Joshua, and we don't really see it properly until the end of the book of Joshua, where, uh, where, where we actually start to see where it says that in, in Joshua tr chapter 21, 
And then verse 43, it says, So the Lord gave Israel all the land sworn to give to, uh, all, the, all the land he had sworn to give to their ancestors. The Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give to their ancestors. Right? So, cool. Done. Done and dusted. On to the next thing. We'd, let's move to the next thing. The next book's Judges. Judges chapter 1 and just start right at the start, number 1. Judges 1.1. 1, 1. After the death of Joshua, sorry, I just ruined the ending. Joshua dies at the end of the book. The Israelites asked the Lord, who shall go up first to fight against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah shall go up. I have given the land into their hands. What's that? They're still going. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Didn't the Lord give Joshua, give the Israelites all the land? So why in Judges, after Joshua's death, are they still possessing the land? There's a... And I'm like, whoa, this is interesting. This is interesting because God said he had done it, but now they're doing it. And I'm thinking, how much stuff has God said he's done that still has to be done? What stuff has he done that's not done? And then what I really started to read is I started to look at the, the words. You know how the Bible's full of words? That's not as important. I'm not even kidding, because sometimes we can just generalize and read over and gloss over and try and take a key away, but we actually read the words, because you know what the scripture says is that for every word of God, it says that every word of God, it, 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 it all matters, every bit matters. Just think like, this is the creator God that spoke the universe into being with his words. He doesn't just litter his words. Every word is key. Every word is, is, is pure gold. Every word is 100% faithful. Every word is loaded. Not one word shall not come to pass. Every word shall come to pass. It, Isaiah says that his words are like water and none of it, like, it's like rain that, that will not return. Not one word will return void. So every word matters. It matters. So when we read the Bible, really just it's good to read the words and i was looking at the words and it says this so the lord gave israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors and they took possession of it and i'm starting to see here there's like for those that are a tiny recap of the story so god basically introduced himself with this guy Abraham in Genesis. He introduced himself with this guy and he's just like, I like you. Well, I'm just going to use you. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you all this land. And there's a particular area of land I'm going to give you and your ancestors and your children. And then and he takes his family on a journey, hundreds and hundreds of years of journey. And um, probably about 500 years of a journey uh, um, to from that point till the book of Joshua starts. And but he says this to Abraham right at the start. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7, it says this. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. I will give it. And at that moment, at that moment, the land was theirs. God said, so it was. And then eyes of faith kick in. So what that is, is a promise. That's a promise from God to Abraham. That him and his ancestors, that turned into the entire nation of Israel, 
and now they're going to they're, they're the legal owners, the legal heirs of this particular area, because God said. And then we move into to the, to the Abraham has kids. Long story. Kids go and be slaves in Egypt, come out of Egypt, and then they're in this holding pattern where God is taking this nation of slaves now, where Abraham's family has become a, a, uh, actually a nation of millions of people, and they've come out of, and they're in sla- now they're enslaved in, a, in the land of Egypt, and um, who knows, they might have even built the pyramids or some of the pyramids. And, and then it comes a time where Moses, God says to Moses, to this guy Moses, it's time for my people to come out and go into the land that I've given them, to, that I've promised to them, that was I promised their father Abraham. And it's, it's now is the time. So they come out. We read in, um, in, in Deuteronomy, it might actually be numbers because I made a mistake, but Susan did tell me, uh, 3353, and it says, Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. So what we see here is I've given it to you, and now you have to possess it. I've given it, now you possess. Different things, different things. So it starts with a promise. It starts with a promise. And in God's mind, that's when it's done. He's done everything he can do now. And what he says, with the word, with the, now get this, when the word is released, the power, the grace of God is now active on that word to fulfill that word. He says, I will, he got the, the, it says, that I'll watch my word to perform it. Once he lets go of his word, the power is there attached to the word. Because you know what the Bible actually says? Uh, John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. His word isn't separate to him. When he's released his word, he's actually released his power. He's released his essence. He's released himself. So when he's spoken, it's done. It's sitting there pregnant, ready, available. The promise. What has to happen then is it has to be activated. It has to be activated. It's sitting there dormant, a seed, if you will. You get a seed, put it on the shelf. It will last thousands and thousands and thousands of years in the right climate until conditions change, heat and moisture and pressure. Then the seed sprouts and it becomes from potential to active. And this has to happen with this word that's released. So it starts with a promise. Now, the way that we ignite the promise is uh, Jesus, in his own words, said this in Mark 11. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So when God's promised them the land, this is the hard bit, guys. This is really hard. This is the challenge bit. God says the promise. All the power of heaven now is behind that word. Your job is to say, okay. Two of the hardest words, and they're not even words. They're like, okay. And what that actually means is, so be it. I love the way Mary put it when God spoke the promise to her. Be it unto me according to thy word. Like You're never going to say it like that. We say, okay. The promise, no, no, here guys, the promises of God are yes and amen. He says yes to the promise. Our job is to say amen, which means so be it. Be, okay, that's how it works. Now the promise is active. Now it's active. You've received the promise. Receiving isn't possessing. Promise received, possessed. Receiving isn't possessing. Possessing. 
You can get it, you can believe it, but you will not receive it until you get your feet wet, until you go through the development process, until you get up. The different things. And we've introduced this generation before Joshua takes over the land. It's actually Joshua's generation. It's actually, people talk about a Joshua generation. Well, Joshua's generation actually were the failures. They were total failures. Two guys succeeded from his generation, him and Caleb, who if we have time, we'll get to. His generation, they were failures, total failures. They received the promise. God spoke to them, called them out of slavery. They're like, yeah, we're on our way. They saw the mighty hand of God move. They saw him split the Red Sea. He's, they saw him decimate the oppressing army that, that had kept them, their nation in slavery for 400 years. They'd watched him feed them miraculously. And then he said, just cross the river. It's yours. And they said, no. No. God's like, wrong answer. We're supposed to be okay. And they've said no. Now listen to this. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, this is just heartbreaking. Listen, Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 21. This is, this is Moses. He's the, na- the nation's leader. He's the prophet of God speaking to the people of Israel. This is, this is, he's speaking to Joshua's generation. He says, See, the Lord your God has given, past tense, you the land. Go up and take possession of, the le- of it. Given, possession. You've got it, they haven't possessed it. It's yours, you've got to possess it. Different things, different things. Go up and take possession of it. As the Lord, the God of your ancestors told you, don't be afraid, do not be discouraged. Then all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take to the town's Uh, and the towns we will come upon. So what he said here is, God has given it to you, go take it. Then they've sent people to go and say, well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We've got to figure out how. How. Before we take this step of faith, we need to know how. We need to know how. God's like, get your feet wet. Then I'll tell you how. They're like, "Uh uh-uh, tell me how, then I'll get my feet wet. You're not going to twist God's arm behind his back. You know, what he, you know what God did with these guys? Fine. I'll wait for your kids. Dead set. There's this, there's this amazing promise in the Bible that says that the gifts and calls of God are irrevocable. And it's actually completely in context. It's talking about what I've promised to a nation, yeah, I'll do to their ancestors. It says that the gifts and calls will sit on your family for generations. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> doesn't mean you're going to get it does not mean you're going to get it. It's yours. God's given it to you and you'll never take it away. doesn't mean you're going to get it. You have to possess it. You have to possess it. Even though it's yours, I'll give you a million dollars and a bank card. It's yours, sitting in the bank. Unless you take that card. It's no good to you. It's yours, totally yours. But God's like, it's yours and it will stay yours. So many people, I'm talking men and women of God that are so much better preachers than me, people that understand the word a lot better than I ever did. And I've watched them, God just pass them by. You know what? It's not to say that God won't use them if they repent, come home. It's not to you say God won't use them if they put their hand up and, and say, here I am, God. 
but he's not going to force it on him. There's a saying, I, I read a thing recently, and it's one of the, I just love it. You know, the Bible talks about the Lord feeds the birds. And so, like, we sit here waiting for the Lord to feed the birds. You know what? He does feed the birds, but he doesn't drop the worms in their nest. He feeds them, but they have to go and possess what he's given them. So we're in this paradox where God says, I've done it. Now he says, do it. I've done it. Now you do it. It's, I don't get it. Like, and somewhere in, 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 in the godness of us, because we've created us in his image, in the image of God, he made you. There's something godlike about making things happen. There's something godlike about transferring nothing into something. And God's like, I want you to be part of it. And so he's got this generation, and he says, I've given it to you. Get your feet wet. They've said no. He said, okay. Next generation. Joshua's generation were failures. Two men went through. Him and Caleb. His generation didn't. The next generation came through. They had to get their feet wet. They had to go and fight. But then we're in this journey of taking possession. There was, I look at Caleb's life. So for those that don't, that don't know, when the, they, we read earlier about the spies coming in, they sent 12 spies to go and figure out how they're going to do this. Caleb and Joshua came back, said, we don't know how, but we can do it. And honestly, that's got to be your answer half the time with God. I don't know how, but okay. If he's really kind, sometimes you're like, get a road map. Oh, yeah, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> you know what I find is often like, that's not even it. That's just like enough for me to think I'm, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll take a step. And then all of a sudden, pff, that plan just totally goes. But I've already in the water. And I'm like, can't go back now. <laughs> and then God does it his way. So what we find is this guy, these two guys, so remember the promise, the, the scripture that I've quoted, it says uh, in Romans chapter 11 verse 29, it says, for the gifts of God, for God's gifts and his calls are irrevocable. One translation says are without repentance, which means God doesn't change his mind about them. But what we need to understand is even though the gifts and the call are, without, are irrevocable, the opportunity will pass. The opportunity will pass. You will miss the opportunity if you don't possess it. You will miss it. It will not come back around again. A different opportunity may come around again. It didn't for the forefathers of, Joshua's genera of, of the generation Joshua took in. God's gracious and kind, and we can expect that he will give us another opportunity, but it will be a different opportunity. There's a parable about where Jesus shared a couple of ver versions of it, but where servants are given an opportunity with a, an amount of money to invest for their master, and then at the end of it, one of them, the master takes it off him and says, give it to the one who's got lots. You get nothing. But the interesting thing about that is that each servant was chosen according to their ability, choosing according to the calling and gifting on their life, and then they were gone. That doesn't mean they weren't going to get another opportunity again, but they missed that opportunity. And a lot of us will be like, well, okay, cool. My opportunity will come around again, and it might, it might. 
But there are consequences. There are consequences. Even though Joshua and Caleb were faultless in their report, they came back and said, yeah, the land's amazing. We don't know how we're going to do it, but God said it so we can. I receive it. I receive the promise. Let's go possess the promise. The generation around them said no. And this is our next thing we're going to work into is that God won't do things apart from the corporate on so many occasions because we are so intertwined. The Bible calls the church the body and where you can hold up me. And that bothers me. It does. I'm sorry. It does. And it, but it happens. I can hold up you. And that should bother you. And that should bother you. Caleb, this guy, was promised land. God said, I will bring you into the land. And he said, yes, we can do it. He possessed it. His mates said, no, we can't. They didn't possess it. But he did possess it, and he did, uh, he, sorry, he, he did receive it, and then, but he did actually go in and possess it, but it was a generation later, in his 80s, in his 80s. He missed a lifetime, what he should have experienced, a lifetime of living in the promised land. His kids should have been raised in the promised land. They should have been second generation, third generation promised land kids. They were now first generation kids. They, his kids had to fight for stuff he, he wanted to fight for. There was a consequence. God didn't rip out him off. It, well, he got to see it in the long run, but, but he, he, he was ripped off a lifetime. He, he, he was forced to watch his kids fight battles that it should have been him fighting. The gifts and calls irrevocable, but the opportunity is not. The season is not. Seasons come and go. And Pastor Adele spoke beautifully last week in, about, about this guy. I think his Akai was his name. That was probably half of his problem. Akai sounds like, I ch- bless you, every time he says, what's your name? Akai, bless you. But he, he, this guy was, he sinned and he stole from God. And, and by stole from God, they were given this city and they were told to completely destroy it as an offering. That city was like a tithe city. It was like a tithe to God. It was a, it was a first fruit. And, and he took some. And then the, the, the report was that Israel has sinned against me. Dude, there were like hundreds of thousands of soldiers. One guy does the wrong thing and God says, you've all done something wrong. You, and they all felt the consequence and they lost a battle. They lost a battle because they had sinned. It was one guy, but God said, they. He's stolen off me, so they have sinned. We all matter. You can't sin in secret and think it's not going to affect me. I can't make decisions behind closed doors and think it's not going to affect you. This guy, Akai, was not some leader. He was just part of the team. He's only got one mention in the whole book. It's that he probably didn't done that. He wouldn't have even got a mention. He's just, just one of the boys, one of the crew, one of the, one of the congregation, one of the soldiers in the thousands. And God says, you've all sinned. Israel has sinned. This, his actions have affected everybody. So we can't think we can just, well, the promises of God are yes and amen. And he, God said something, I can take it or leave it. Well, you're needed, man. You're important to this body. You're important to the body of Christ in the city of Perth, even, even, even wider. You matter. We matter. There is, no, there is nothing that doesn't have a ripple effect. 
And as I'm thinking of this Akai fellow, he stole from what God had said was holy and don't touch. And I'm going to go here. The Bible in Malachi says that the tithe is holy, it's mine. And he says, you're robbing from me by not bringing that in. Sorry, but Akai, that's what he did. He kept back from the first fruits. Just putting it out there. Do with it what you will. It affects everybody. It affects everybody. This guy Joshua had to, uh, this guy Caleb, or and Joshua as well, had to wait an entire generation. They had to fight battles that, that they had to watch their kids fight battles that should have been won for them. It matters. What you do matters. You saying yes to God matters. You saying yes to God matters. It is not optional. It's not something we can say, well, I'll do it next time, or next time the boat comes around, I'll jump on there. It matters. It matters. It matters to me what you happen, what your decision affects the person next to you, affects people in the congregation you don't even know. It affects children that are just being born. It affects children in our church that aren't born yet. They're going to have to, we don't, I, I, God forbid they fight battles I, I should have fought. God forbid they have to build things I should have built for them. God forbid. So we're in this place where God has a clear-cut destiny, concise blessings for you. He's promised it. So easy on a day like today where the Spirit of God is moving and we've got funky guitar-playing worship guy and we're like, yay, praise Jesus. And next to your brothers and sisters in faith and, yeah, I receive. I believe what you said. And we were singing about the promises, the promises of God. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're like, yeah, God, I believe. And the goosebumps happening and so anointed. And yes, and I receive. I receive. But then you fail to possess. You don't leave here and do it. it there's different things. The promise is released. It's done. God says it's done. I've done all I can do. There's grace attached to my word. There's power attached to my word. There's opportunity attached to my word. There's favor attached to my word. There's blessing attached to my word. There's open doors attached to my word. If you just would get your feet wet and go after it. it, but it, it we, we, we so, uh, look, I can only speak for our generation in our setting, first world, western, first, yeah, western, first world. And it just seems so optional just seems so optional. Like God tells me to do something, and, and, I'll, you know, and, and I'm guilty of this. Well, I'll you know, be having a laugh with our mates. Oh, yeah, I felt God say to do it, and ha, 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 I just didn't do it. Like I just I was too scared. Ha, ha, ha. I was just too tempted by, you know, there's something else fun happening, and I just didn't do it. Ha, ha, ha. I had the privilege of um, interviewing Pastor Malcolm for my podcast the other day, and he said that God called him to pray, and he didn't want to do it, but he knew. And it was in that prayer, it was in that time of prayer, that God called him to start Teen Challenge in Western Australia. It was because he was faithful and he didn't just shrug off a unction. God gave him to pray, to fast and pray. He said, okay. Even though he was comfortable, even though he was happy, even though all circumstances were pointing to Let's just sit by the beach and have a barbecue, not fast. He said, okay. And then God called him over here 
and thousands of people have gone into the Teen Challenge program. Thousands of lives have been transformed. Thousands of people have, have been delivered from addiction. Thousands of people have put their trust in God. Thousands of lives have been transformed. This, if you've got saved in this church, it's because a man said okay to fasting 35 years ago. If you got set free in this church, it's because someone said yes to fasting 36 years ago. If God's done something significant for you in this church, it's because someone said, okay, 36 years ago. It matters. It matters. It matters. We, God has a plan for your life, and it is a good plan. It is a good plan. But you have to receive. You have to receive. You have to. First John says this. First John chapter 5, and reading from the Amplified, it says, And if, since we positively know that God listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possession the requests made of Him, that means we receive it by faith. When he says, we say, okay, we say, okay, we say, okay. The Bible says that the promise is received by faith. The promise is the seeds. The word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is filled with power. It is activated by faith. It's a seed. Faith is the water that germinates the seed. That's the start. And we activate this promise by saying, okay, by believing it, by believing we've received it. And the way we do this is, thank you, Lord, that I've received. I believe your word. And we start to talk about it as though it's real, even though we can't see it yet. So I've got a broken arm, but I'm healed. I don't understand it, but I'm not a sick person. I'm a healed person. I'm a healed person. I'm, I, it's painful and I've got problems, but it's healed. It's on its way out. I'm on my way out. I don't care. Whatever the report may be, I'm getting better. Well, I'm on my, because God's, the word says that by his wounds I was healed. Was, past tense. It's done. I, have, I am healed. I am, the scripture says that by his, uh, th that according to the, his glorious riches in Christ, all of our needs are met. I don't care what your financial position is. You're not poor. You're just on your way to the bank still because it's sitting there for you. That doesn't mean we just, God will come and drop it in your nest, which is where a lot of Christians stop, where a lot of word of faith stops. Because it's not just a word of faith, it's a life of faith. Because without action, faith is dead. Faith without works is dead. They're all t they all work together. First, we are in relationship with God so we can hear His voice. We know He's reliable, so we trust His word, believe it, say, okay. Then we're reliable. And we do what he says, get our feet wet. And then we start. And then before we know it, we're living in this clear-cut, designed life, that, that plan God has for your life. These people from these tribes lived within the clear boundaries God had designed and set apart for them years before. He actually did, he, he told their parents about this. And for us... God calls us all the time. 
We're living in an age where the Holy Spirit speaks freely to His church, where we read the Word and we hear the, the voice of God through the Word. We see an instruction in the Bible and we know God's talking to us. We know God's saying, hey, this is, this, this is, I'm wanting you to interact with this. This is part of my plan for your life. And we're in an age where we hear from God, which probably moves us into the most accountable period in the history of faith. The most accountable period where we are going to be held the most accountable in the history of faith. The scripture says that in ages past, prophets and angels spoke, but in this age, the Spirit of God speaks. And we're at a point where we don't have the liberty to say no without affecting other people. We don't have that liberty. If you're going to say no, cool, that's on you. And you know what? There is grace for you. There is no condemnation in Christ, but there is consequences. There's no condemnation in Christ, but there's consequences in Christ. And it affects, it affects stuff. It matters. I would love us to be a church that aren't just believers of the word, aren't just receivers of the word, but we're possessors. Possessors, people who take a hold of what God's got for us. Amen? I'm going to pray. Let's get every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to start by, you get a chance now to possess eternal life. This is one of those cool things. It's the clearest cut instance where we possess, we start by receiving. God said that, uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16 says that, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Another place it says that, we confess that He is Lord. We to speak with our mouth and declare that God raised Him from the dead. And we shall be saved. This is the start and we have an opportunity to step into what is called salvation, what is called eternal life. And it literally is a matter of simply saying, okay, and believing. So if you've never made the decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to enter into eternal life, now is your moment. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I'd invite you to put your hand in the air. Our church, is, we're going to pray a simple prayer all together. If you're online, I'm including you in this. We're going to pray a simple prayer all together to take that step and receive. Repeat after me, church. Dear God, today I choose to follow you. Thank you for dying for my sins and rising for my life. Forgive me for all the wrong things I've done. From today forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, the scripture says that you got born again, that a new start took place. And if that's you, I'd love to pray with you after the service. And if you're online, let, let us know and, and we'll, we'll love to pray with you and connect with you and get some resources to you to help you on your journey. Now I'm going to pray for us all now. If you're anything like me, you're pretty up and down. One minute's all like gung-ho, yes, God, I'm in, all in, anything for you cause. Next minute's like, oh. But there's a shiny opportunity over here or it's too hard or it's too cold or it's too wet or... 
it's too sunny and people wanting to go to the beach when you've called me to fast and pray. And it seems so easy and so inconsequential to say no. As I'm just saying, so I can see God setting me up and I'm just so God, here I am. It can seem so inconsequential to say no. Lord, I just pray that we be a church, Lord God. Lord, that we be a church that doesn't say no. We don't be we be a church that doesn't say no, God. That we be a people who believe what your promises say, God. We receive your promises, Lord, and we possess them. I declare that this is a church of men and women of faith. It's in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're just going to sing in a I just reckon we should sing about the promises of God and let God speak to our hearts. Let's do business with God, hey? Cause I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down As I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation And He'll never let me down I put, I put my faith in Jesus my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation, is you never let me down. Sing, great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness. To me, from the rising sun to the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness. To come on, I put my faith and sing it out. Cause I put my faith in Jesus. My anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation, she'll never let me down. Cause I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation, you never let me down. Thank you, Lord God, that you are our firm foundation, Father God. You are the anchor to the ground, Lord God. You hold us firm. Believe, receive, and possess. What an awesome word, hey? Why don't you put your hands together for Pastor Jacob? That was absolutely fantastic. Uh, next week.
week we got these on your seats. Don't forget to take it. Invite someone to church next week. We have uh, Mark Godfrey in the house next week. So he's a prophetic voice in our city. And you do not want to miss next week. So make sure you're here. And uh, we're going to have a time of fellowship now. Coffee, something to eat. Don't forget our Empower course as well. And thank you so much to Ben as well. Thank you so much. Put your hands together. We love you guys. And we'll see you next week. If you'd like prayer at all, please come forward.